0: So if you uh, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. One of the reasons, or I'm sorry, not one of, the reason you and I who are in Christ will never experience real, true death Is because Jesus took that for us. Amen? Christ took death for His children. Um, We who have repented and believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, will experience, rather than everlasting death, we will experience everlasting life. And i I think as we go through our days, we need to be reminded of that fact. I know that sometimes the world can just be um it can be a killer for us. It can be just a mind killer uh, just anybody here tonight just exhausted from the day, just just tired from all the stuff, you're just mentally drained and and yeah, you cried earlier, so I mean it's 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 all there, right? And so we go through. A lot of things that we could just get bogged down. And then we start to think about our own Christian experiences. We think about our, our walk with God, and we can sometimes just get bogged down. Amen? I, I, I can. Uh, I read this quote this week from a guy named C.J. Mahaney. And he said, until we as believers can learn to rest in God's perfect love for us through Jesus Christ, we will continually find ourselves falling into the trap of basing our view of God on our feelings and our performance or dwelling more on our sins than on God's grace. And wow, I mean, that, that, that'll that preach. Amen? That'll preach. And tonight what I want to do for us is I just want us to spend some time in the Word. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2 and just understanding why it's so important for us to focus on where we are and where our salvation came from. Just focusing on our salvation and seeing the person and the work of Jesus Christ and just stirring up that affection for the things of God tonight. So I'm going to start in... Chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, and we're gonna look at verse, we're gonna start in verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We, we must pay closer attention. This is God God's Word telling us tonight. We gotta pay a little bit closer attention to what we've heard. What, what we've heard. So we could see here from The text, the Lord's called us to pay attention to what we've learned, what we as Christians have learned. He said, well, what do we learn, Caleb? I'm glad you asked. Um, Just a chapter back, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, just a couple of verses up, the writer of Hebrews says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this is what we have to remember. We have to remember this. And, and what is he? Who is he, number one? Number one, he is Jesus. And he's at the right hand of the most majestic or most high what is he doing at the right hand? You guys are asking some really great questions tonight. I'm really excited. Romans 8.34 tells us exactly what he's doing at the right hand of the Father. Starting in verse 34, it says, Romans 8:34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who entered who indeed is interceding for us. And what is being addressed or talked about in this intercession? That there'll be no separation. Look at at verse 35. That there's going to be no separation for those that are in Christ. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? As it's written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all of these things. What things are we talking about? Tribulations, distresses, persecutions. Famines, nakedness, danger, or the sword. And listen, I know that most of us in the room we're not dealing with famines, we're not dealing with nakedness, we're not dealing with, with dangers or swords. But man, some of us are dealing with distresses and some tribulations. Listen, Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding on the behalf of us that are in Christ telling, the, listen, that there's no separation. We're not going to ever be separated from God Almighty. It's never going to happen. It's never going to be a part of that. In all of these things, what? Know this. No. All of these things, we're more than conquerors. And why are we conquerors? Because Christ is at the right hand of the Almighty. Christ is at the right hand of, of His Father, interceding on our behalf. We are conquerors over all of these things. Nothing can or will ever keep us from getting to king jesus if we're in christ we've repented of our sins we trusted the gospel nothing can or ever will separate us from the mighty jesus this this is what we have to pay attention to because sometimes the enemy can in your daily life at 145 on Wednesday afternoon we could just sort of kind of just uh, miss that right there's a lot of deadlines, there's a lot of things that are happening. If you've got a computer screen in front of you, you've got people sending emails, you've got all these things happening. And sometimes we can lose our focus. And sometimes I think it's good for us as believers just to get realigned, reacquainted with what God has done. So the, writers of, the writer of Hebrews tells us there... You must, we must pay closer attention to what we've learned, what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, I'm telling you, if we don't stay connected into the person at work, if we don't stay connected into the word, we can drift. Scripture says we could be tossed to and fro if we're not anchored into the word, we could be tossed all over the landscape. And so, we have to be paying attention to this. Knowing the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, if you keep going in Romans chapter 8, in verse 38, it says, For I am, sh- I am sure... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, that's a good reminder that, listen, this is as bad as it's going to get. Right here, right now, this life, what's happening in this life... This is as bad as it's going to get on this side of the grave. Once you and I are done with this life and we take our final breath, life gets extremely more beautiful, extremely less complicated and amazingly perfect. There will be no sin. There will be no pain. There will be no sickness. There will be no any of those things. All those things are gone. And so we have to just... Look at this and just remind ourselves sometimes that, listen, it's, it's going to be okay. We're going to be home soon. We're going to be home soon. And, and I know that it, it's been a long haul for some of us. But, man, in, in the corridors of eternity, our lives are just like that. And we're done, right? Let's keep going. Hebrews chapter 2. Back to Hebrews 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution or punishment. that's This is, this is the message. It was declared by angels. Remember in the beginning of this thing when, when the angels came to the shepherds? They declared, listen, the king's here. He's, he's come. Because of the work of Christ on Calvary's cross... Every act of sin, for those who would believe, has been paid in full. It's been paid in full. Tetelestai was what Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. That means it's been paid in full because Christ took the full weight of the punishment that was reserved. Now listen, the punishment is reserved for those who broke the law. Remember Romans 6? For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. But this is is the beautiful news here in Hebrews that for since the message declared by angels was proved reliable, this, this message has been proved reliable. And I know that there are people out there that are trying to disprove this word. I know that people say, listen, the Bible is just a fairy tale. It's just, you know... Your, your God that you quote-unquote worship, he's just a sky daddy. I, those are what people call it, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but that's just the words that they use. But the word here says that this has been declared by angels, and it's been proven over and over and over again to be reliable. And there are people that are smarter than you and I put together that made their objective getting their Ph.D. and, and doctorate degree in disproving the scriptures God used their attempts and actually converts them and so over and over and over again God's word is proven to be reliable and on top of that every transgression or disobedience received a just punishment what was that punishment that was received Christ on the cross took the full weight of God's wrath on himself the only one who could withstand That punishment was Jesus Christ. And he took the full weight of God's punishment onto us. And it's just something we need to remind ourselves. Verse 3 tells us, listen to this. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Oh, like, this is the warning. This is the warning. How shall we escape... If we neglect such a great salvation, it was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. So not only did the Lord preach this, then you've got the disciples who are now preaching it. And now we're here 2,000 years later and we've got men who have faithfully preached this word for centuries. How can we neglect it? This is the warning here. The warning is, Um, Not to neglect salvation, not to neglect the the message of salvation. If we neglect this salvation, if we ignore the message of God's grace, you will receive the punishment that was laid out on Christ's head. Think about that. So if you reject what Christ did on Calvary's cross and you do not take that, that grace gift you then will have to experience what Christ experienced for all eternity. That will be an eternal thing that will take place for you if you neglect this salvation. You'll die for all eternity. It will never end. You will die eternally. Do not neglect the message do not neglect this message. Verse 4. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according by according to his will. This is the witness here. Is this is God's God bore witness to this. The Lord started, then there was angels, and then there's been preachers and disciples and, and, and apostles that have that have carried this message. And they've got all these things that are happening. And not only do, we, do they attest to it by that, but there's been signs and wonders and various miracles by the gifts of the Holy Spirit that distributed according to his will. So not only did angels attest to this message of God's grace, not only was the message confirmed again by those who wrote the text, God himself bore witness to all of these things. By signs and wonders and various miracles. All through Jesus' ministry. All of those things that he did was to point towards, I am God. And I've come into the flesh. And I'm conquering sin. I'm conquering death. I'm conquering hell. God left nothing to chance. Like that is the beauty. Is that he left absolutely nothing to chance. And he did all this for his glory. Verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected to the world, subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? What, who is man? What is man that you are mindful of us, Lord? That God cares enough about us. Who are we? That God is mindful to think about us. Isn't that just a good thing to think about? That God was mindful enough to to show up into your timeline, just to look into the corridors of time and say, I want that one. I love that one. I want to draw that one to me. Who is man? What is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angel's. And you crowned him with glory and honor. This was done, all of this was done for God's glory. Every ounce of what Christ did was was here, put together for his glory. Putting everything into subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. Remember what I said? God left nothing to chance. But he put everything in subjection to himself. He left nothing outside of his control. If there is, R.C. Sproul said it, if there is one molecule outside of the sovereign control of uh, of God, we've got a problem. There There is no such thing as rogue molecules in the universe. Everything is under God's control. God says, skin, stay on Caleb. Don't fall off. Skin, stay on everybody else. Don't, don't, your skin fall, stays together because God says, stay together. Everything's held together, Colossians chapter one. Everything is held together by the power of his word. Everything is subject to Him. Nothing was left to chance. Woo. At present, now listen, we, we do not see Everything in subjection to him. Because here's the thing. We don't see it with our naked eye. We don't see that the universe is under his subjection with our naked eye. We have to look through the eye of faith at his sovereign power. But verse 9 says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels namely jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of god he might taste death for everyone and that's the good that's the good news that christ came and did all of this for you and i so what's the writers of hebrew tell us don't neglect what christ did And as a result of all of this, you and I get to be part of this. We've been called into this grace. And we get to experience His goodness, His love, His friendship, His mercy, His beauty. And we should never, ever take that for granted. Amen? Like, we should never take this for granted. That we we read this and we see that He's done all this on our behalf. So as, as it started there in the text in the beginning, therefore, we must pay attention. Closer attention than, than we have been paying attention. We've got to get ourselves realigned. And the way we do that is by getting connected into the Word of God. One of the things that I have been, uh, if you if you've seen it this week, I've put it, I've been made, I've made a couple videos. And one of the things in Psalm chapter 1 is the idea of what a man who's, a man who's truly blessed. What does a man who is truly blessed look like? Well, Psalm 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law, in the law of the Lord. And on the law he meditates both day and night so we've got this this man who's content and why is he content because he's not seeking counsel from the wicked he's staying focused on god's word and he doesn't see god's word as oh i've got to get in this thing and read the bible again i got i gotta go and do my quiet time again he's not saying that this is a drudgery it's actually a delight that God's word, he delights in the law of God, and not only does he find it delightful, he meditates on it. He's not just skimming it, he's meditating on it. Meditation is an idea of really focusing and studying and just immersing and infusing God's word into our lives. This is the man who's blessed. This is the man who's content. The man who pays Closer attention to God's word, and he he doesn't just he doesn't just skim over it. He's he's really meditating on it. Verse three of Psalm one says he's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in due season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Oh, that is why is he prospering? Because he's connected in deeply he's paying attention he's not forsaking or forgetting the the price that was paid by Christ on Calvary's cross he's reminding himself day and night he's meditating on the commands and the words of God and and so he's asking God to continue to work and, and, and sanctify and set him apart he doesn't take counsel from those that are wicked he doesn't try to do business with those that are wicked he, he says, okay, I'm not, gonna, I'm not taking counsel from those who hate God. I'm not going to stand in the way of sinners. I'm not going to get connected in with sinners. Now, I'm not saying we, do, we don't interact with them daily. I know that we, everybody has to deal with somebody that's lost daily. But our hope we're, that we're doing that is that we're projecting and showing the love and the, and the goodness of God through our words and through our actions. We're teaching the gospel through how we talk and how we act and how we move through our day. But we, don't, we do not walk um, or seek counsel from the wicked. We seek counsel from those who love and trust Jesus. Those are the people that we take counsel from. So we don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of those who scoff and make fun of the things of God. Uh, you guys have heard the story of my friend John. Uh, John Mathis. He is a raging atheist. Hates God with everything in him. I do not take counsel from him. He's actually been in this church. He's sat, or I think he was right about there he sat, and, and he's been in different services that i preached at, and I do not seek counsel from him. Every time I talk to him, I'm telling him about the things of Jesus. And I, I believe with everything in me that God's going to save that man. Uh, but it's just going to take some time and just, because he didn't get to where he was overnight, Amen? We don't none of us in the room get to where we are overnight. Amen. It took took a slow, progressive season of life that gets us to where we are. And if we neglect the things of God, if we don't pay attention to the things of God, we can drift. That's what what the writer of Hebrews says. You could drift away. You could drift. Now I'm not saying that you're going to lose your salvation, but what I am saying is that you can can lose your love that you had for God at first. Remember Revelation chapter 3? or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 2, not 3. That was the thing that, that John wrote. I have this against you. Jesus said, I have this against you. You've lost the love you had at first. Remember where, how far you've fallen, repent of those sins, and come back to where you were. Come back to where you were. And so what we can do, until we as believers can learn to rest In God's perfect love for us. Now, what is God's perfect love for us? That God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Why? To die for my sins. To come after my sins. To to forgive me of my sins. And that if I could just rest in that finished work. If I could just take a breath and rest in the finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross. We will, if we don't do that, if we just ignore that and we stay away from that and we, and we shun that and we get focused on everything else in the world, like I said, that's what Satan loves to do. Satan likes to get you and I distracted with all the cares and the worries of the world. And sometimes we can distract us with entertainment of the world. And what we can do is the fire is burning around us and we're just focused on the, the wrong thing. Get our eyes off of the things of this world and get our eyes focused on Christ. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 encourages us to do. To get our eyes focused on the person and work of Christ who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So get get focused back in. And if if we don't learn to rest in God's perfect love for us, like this is, I've had conversations with different people all throughout the years that they just think that I don't know how God can like me. Because sometimes don't we... We, we don't like ourselves. Amen? Anybody in the room? Am I the only one? Sometimes I don't like myself. Sometimes we do things that we're just like, ah! How many of you guys have ever said this? I can't believe I did that. Anybody? There's never been a point in the history of anything with humanity where God's gone, oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that. Nothing has ever occurred or God's never freaked out. God's never gone, oh my gosh, I can't believe Chancey did that. Are you kidding me? Darren, seriously? Like, he's never done that. He's never shocked by your sin. He knew before the foundation of the world how messy you'd be, and he came after you anyways. Like, take hope and rest and and be- that beauty that the God of the universe knew how messy and jacked up you'd be. And he said, I'm coming after that one, anyways. I love them and I want them. And so, what C.J. Mahaney said in that quote is that if we don't focus on how good God's love is for us, we'll continually find ourselves falling into the trap of basing our view of God on our feelings. And man, that is, the, that is the worst thing that we can do is base how what God thinks of me on our own feelings. Like, read the Psalms. There were times where David looked like a schizophrenic. Like one minute he's like, oh God, I just... As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. It's so amazing. I can't believe it. And then you turn the page, and not a verse or a chapter later, he's like, Where are you, God? It's just like everything's falling apart. Anybody in the room? Anybody? Yeah. And so, what we can do is if we aren't focused in on God's word, we can get pushed around all over the place. If we don't focus in on who Jesus is according to the scriptures, We'll find ourselves falling into the trap of basing our view of God on our own personal feelings. And that is the worst thing to do. Do not base your salvation or your or anything about God on your own personal feelings. That's the worst, the most shallow part of the human being is their feelings. Their emotions. Anybody? You got some wild emotions? Like, anybody happy, happy, happy. Sad, sad, sad. Like we can, like, listen, there's been days where I can. It could be pretty quick. I could be giggling and laughing. <laughs> and a phone call happens and I'm like, I'm not giggling and laughing anymore. Right? And I could just, can, your emotions can spin on a dime. Do not base, do not base what Christ has done for you on your feelings or our performances. Like, our performance Is not what gets us into heaven. That's 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 outward behavior modification. That that doesn't work. Outward behavior modification is where we come in and you know we that's that for decades. That's what the church had was outward behavior modification. Where okay, I'm in the I'm in the room. I'm in church and I how I'm just blessed and highly favored. Just praise God so glad I'm here. That it, what you didn't see was 10 minutes before in the car when I was just like looking at my spouse or my kids and was yelling at him, screaming. Somebody cut me off in traffic and I'm just yelling at everybody. I, I hate everything. And you walk in the building, I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, where was... That? Listen, it's okay not to be okay, but we just don't stay there because Christ fixes us. God makes us new. And don't, don't base our view of God on feelings or our performances. Or what we can do sometimes as Christians is we can dwell more heavily on our sins. Listen, I'm, I'm all for the depravity. Like, listen, understanding the doctrines of depravity. We as human beings are sinful. But here's the, the truth of the matter. If you've repented of your sins. 1 John 1, nine says, if you confess your sins. That Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from. A-L-L all of your unrighteousness and when you repent and you trust Christ Romans 8 1 says this there there now is no condemnation for those that are in Christ it did not say in the text well there's condemnation for you after a while if you do certain things you listen your performance is not what saved you It's Christ that saved you. Salvation is through repentance and faith alone. There's nothing else. You're saved by grace through faith. You you repent of your sins and trust the gospel. Jesus said it in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. That is the prescription for salvation. There's nothing else. It's not repentance And good church attendance. It's not trusty. It's not grace. And this. It's not grace. And it's God's grace alone that saves you. And you, if you repent of your sins, you you confess that to the Lord and say, God, forgive me of my sins. God, I'm sinful. I'm wicked. Forgive me. You're forgiven. And then you rest in God's finished work in your life. And, and don't base God's love for you on your performance. And I know that we grew up, we've grown up in a culture that bases a lot of times our parents love. I guess you could say our parents love for us based upon what we do, what we accomplish. I've known people that have parents that that their that their love was based upon how good you were in school and how. I just that's crazy. God's love for us is conditioned on one thing Christ and his finished work and if you have trusted him you've repented of your sins and you've trusted the gospel you're in and the scriptures tell us don't neglect this don't, don't neglect this but rather pay closer attention to what you've heard lest you drift away from it and if listen if you're not focused on this you could forget stuff it's funny, Chansey and I were just talking, he's he was he's like, man, I haven't played guitar in a hot minute. My calluses are all gone, and I've sort of kind of forgotten what to do. Why? Because I haven't been in it. I've drifted away from it a little bit. You've got to get in there. And just it's, you got to work that muscle. That You've got you to study. You've got to read the Word, and that the more you're anchored to God's Word, the more you're going to understand God's love for you. So the challenge for us this evening is don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget that God loves you. Like He loves you. Like, like, how, do you how do you know He loves me, Caleb? Because you find in the text here that He says He did all this. Listen. But we see Him. Verse 9 of Hebrews 2. But we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Christ died for you. He tasted death for you. Tell me that's somebody that, that, well, he's willing to die for me. Well, I don't know if he likes me. He just, he was willing to die for you. If Christ was willing to die for you, I could promise you He likes you. He he does. How do we know these things? Because this is what God's Word tells us. That Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5. For while we were still weak and at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Anybody ungodly? Anybody in the room? Yep, come on. Verse 7 of Romans 5. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare to even die. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were wretched, sinful, depraved, wicked, adulterous, idolatrous, wicked, lustful people, murderers, liars, thieves, you name it, Christ came and he died for us. That's the good news. Don't let Satan twist it up in your mind. Listen, there's no way God can love you. You've done too much. Of course we've done too much. But Christ came and took all that back. Don't forget what God has done for you. When we got it on the front of this table. Do this in remembrance of me. We're, we take the Lord's Supper as a reminder. This is what God did for me. He loved me so much that he shed his blood and he sacrificed his body to redeem me back to himself. Do not forget what has been done on your behalf. Don't let what's going on in the world distract you from the glory that's to come. Like there's glory coming for us that are in Christ. This is going to be amazing. I can't wait. You say, Caleb, you sound sound excited. I am. It's getting gloriously dark out. It's getting gloriously dark out. And make no mistake, my friend, it's coming. More particularly, he is coming for his church. Are you saved? Are you bought by the blood? Have you been redeemed? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Have you trusted Christ and repented of your sins? If you have, woo! If you have, that's good news. And listen, once you're in, you're sealed in with the Holy Spirit. That means you cannot be broken out of that seal. If you're sealed in by the Holy Spirit, that's what the scriptures tell us. That you're sealed by the Holy Spirit and you're in. How do you know that, Caleb? Back to Romans eight. What did Romans eight tell us? That what? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You say, well, wait a minute, Caleb. Are you sure about that? Well, let's just let's just let's double check. Just so you just so you know. Know in all things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus when you're in you're in nothing separates you what about me Caleb can I separate myself are you in creation that's a question Are you in creation? Yes, you are. So nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Even you. And if if salvation was up to us, John MacArthur said it. If you could lose your salvation, you would. If you could, like, like some of us can't even remember our stinking glasses. Your pastor's one of them. How much, I mean, if I can't remember my glasses, but yet I'm strong enough and mighty enough to remember and keep my hold on to my salvation, if my salvation was up to me, I'm in trouble. The salvation was put together by God, it's held together by God, and it will be forevermore put together and held together in all eternity by God Himself. I don't have anything to do with my salvation. We have bought the lie, hook, line, and sinker in our culture that we are the ones who are mighty enough to figure out the salvation thing. No, we're not. John chapter 6 says that, listen, you can't come to God unless the, you can't come, I'm sorry, you can't come to Jesus unless the Father first says you can come. I didn't say that. Jesus said that in John chapter 6. So if Jesus says you can come, Scripture says in John 6, He'll let you come. And He'll never cast you out. So guess what? When the word says you'll never be cast out, you're in. You're in forever. Don't forget. Don't forget what God has done for you lest what's going on in the world distract you and discourage you. Christ is here. He's saved you. He's loved you. Trust in that tonight. Let's, uh, let's pray.